Welcome to the Bay Area Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to make passionate, maturing followers of Jesus from here to the nations. We hope you will be changed by this message and invite you to visit us in the greater Annapolis area. If you would like to learn more about our church and ministries, please visit our website at bayareacc.org. Good morning, Bay Area. So glad you could join us online. My name is Jason. I serve as our Odenton campus pastor. Really, really glad you're here. I hope you had a great fourth. Hey, say hello to everyone in the chat or the the box next to you that you can uh, let people know who you are and um, where you're listening for, where you're watching from. What'd you do on the fourth? Let us know those things. If you are joining us for the first time or if you've never, ever filled out our virtual connect card, we'd love to get the chance to meet you. It just takes a few seconds and it's a way for us to even tell you more of what we're about as a church, so be sure to do that. The other thing I want to tell you about is our resource page where you can learn more about things that are coming up with our student ministries, our children's ministries, other ministries going on throughout the church. You want to make sure you do this. In fact, in just a little bit, I, I, they don't know this yet, but I am double, have double duty. I get to host you guys and I get to host them. So just a little bit, I'm going to talk about a get to know you barbecue on Tuesday, July 21st. Also, at that same resource page soon, you'll be able to hear about our Staycation Bible School. There's a link, a direct link to that. You're going to want to uh, register for Staycation Bible School for children. It's going to be incredible. And a way, way to do that um, is to, to sign up for those, those things. As you are participating in worship this morning and maybe you want to pray with someone, if you're on our um, church website, you can click the live prayer button and someone is there to be praying with you and and we'd love that opportunity. So excited that you could join us, excited that you can uh, participate in this way. Some of you may be thinking, man, am I missing out by not being there in person? Let me just tell you that you are participating the way most of our Bay Area family is participating. Most people are doing exactly what you're doing and we're glad that you are, and we will see you um, in just a few minutes. Good morning, Bay Area. It is so good to see many of you here live in the auditorium. Thanks for those that are joining us online. We're going to take a posture of worship, however that looks for those at home, but here in the auditorium, let's stand. We're going to sing. We're going to worship together. We're going to focus our attention on Jesus. Here at Bay Area, this is what we believe about Jesus, that He is who He says He is, and that through His life, death, and resurrection, we can be reconciled back to God. And not only do we have the forgiveness of sins, but we get to be welcomed as His sons, as His daughters, into the family of God, into this powerful spiritual family. 1 John 3.1 reminds us of this. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and this is what we are. And so this identity as children is our foundation. And that's what we want to remember this morning as we sing, as we praise, and as we worship our King. Let's sing together.
Let's continue pressing in this morning into his truth. Let's sing this together. When darkness tries to roll over my bones. Come on at home. Sing it out. When darkness tries to roll over my bones. When sorrow comes to steal the joy I am. When brokenness and pain is all I know. I won't be shaken. No, I won't be shaken. Come on, let's lift it up this morning. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. anxieties are calm. In fact, Philippians tells us this. He said, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Love that. Don't, hey, don't worry about anything. Just pray about it. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then 
you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Read that again. Fix your thoughts on what is true at home. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I'll tell you what's excellent and worthy of praise is Jesus and everything he's ever said. So this morning we're going to carve out some time to do what, what the book of Philippians has just told us to do. That's to pray about it. And I know we all need peace, amen? Can I get an amen from your mask? We all need some peace. Those masks are a reminder of that at home. I know that you need peace. So come on, let's, let's go ahead and enter in. He's right here. He's waiting on us. Just from the, the comfort of your home and from your chair, I'm gonna lead you through some prayer. Would you begin to confess your fears and anxieties? To say, Lord Jesus, here's what I'm dealing with. Come on, at home, begin to tell him. begin to ask him for the things to fix your eyes and thoughts on? Would you begin to ask him, what are these truths that I need to realize in my life? What are the, the honorable and lovely things that need to pop up in my life? Go ahead and ask him that question and let him tell you that this morning. Finally, in faith, let's thank him for that peace that he's giving us right now. As we've confessed, as we've asked, begin to thank him. Say, Lord, thank you. I receive your peace. Thank you, Lord. making a way, for making it possible for us to have this, this direct line to the Father who hears us, who sees us, who rejoices with us, who cries with us, who ultimately loves us so much that he sent you, Jesus. So we say thank you. Thank you for creating that line. Thank you for the gift of prayer. Thank you for the simple truth that if there's anything weighing on our minds, all we have to do is come to you and ask. And it might not get resolved the way we want it to or right away, but we have this assurance. You will give us a peace, a peace that this world doesn't understand. So we say yes and amen to that. We receive that grace of yours. We step into that grace this morning as we continue to worship. Come on, we're gonna continue singing. Come on at home, let's continue worshiping and delving into what is honorable, pure, and lovely this morning. Let's keep pressing into Jesus. Come on, we sing there's a grace. And there's a grace when the heart is under fire. Another way when the walls are closing in. At the space between where I used to be and this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire standing next to me. It was another. 
festival. Good morning. You can have a seat. My name is Jason, 
and I have the privilege of serving as our Odenton campus pastor, and it is truly great to be with you today. Great to join you online as well. So glad that you could be with us. And uh, if this is your first time, or maybe you joined us during these months of quarantine and uh, you, you haven't really connected with us yet, we would love to invite you to an event we're having on Tuesday, July 21st. It's called the Get to Know You Barbecue. And there you'll get to uh, meet other people. You get to engage with some of our, our leadership here and learn more about what we are as a church. We'd love for you to join us. Food's provided, and you can sign up and you can register online. And speaking of online, that's a great place where you can learn more about how all three of our campuses are looking at reopening and as well as summer events that are coming for our children, students, and uh, adults. And uh, that's a great place for you to be. We're going to continue in worship through giving, and I just want to encourage you. Last weekend, we just celebrated the finish of our um, two-year giving initiative, Unrivaled, and we want to say thank you for all who gave. And just because we finished that doesn't change our mission. It doesn't change what we're all about. We are still on mission to make passionate, maturing followers of Jesus from here to the nations. And your giving continues to fuel that. It continues to allow us to partner with parents and uh, help them as they see their, their kids and their students grow and connect with Jesus. It helps us um, impact our communities. It helps us impact globally all that God's doing. And so we are excited to do that. We're excited to be a part of that. And uh, there's a, multiple ways that you can give. You can give online. You can give through text. You can give um, through one of the giving boxes, or you can even mail a check here to the Annapolis campus. So let me encourage you. Let me thank you for giving, but also let me encourage you to let this be a part of your joyful worship this morning as we're doing this together. We're going to uh, actually move into a brand new sermon series, and our Annapolis campus pastor, Brian Hopper, is going to lead us in this. He's going to start us. He's going to kick it off in just a few seconds with this wisdom from Proverbs. So uh, open your Bible to Proverbs if you have it there. Be ready for this. Let's watch this uh, video together. celebrating the inauguration of our country. Uh, I'm excited to kick off our new series with you this morning, uh, especially as we take a look at these next few weeks at God's wisdom that he desires for us to know and invites us to get to participate and benefit from his truth. Now, I know that you know that we are living in some of the most unprecedented, unpredictable times in perhaps a generation. And uh, it is just crazy. When I think about, uh, when I talk to family, friends, when I talk to people on the street, there seems to be this level of uncertainty of, of what to do, what's going to happen. And uh, it just seems like uh, many of us are just struggling to find answers. Would you agree? See, I believe that, um, you know, we've got things like the coronavirus 
uh, and the, the spikes that we've re been reading about re recently. We've got reclosings that are taking place across our nation. We've got things like racial injustice with protests and riots that are taking place. There are folks who haven't had work for months, people with no income, businesses closing up. We've got the police and law enforcement who have come under attack recently. Social media is burning up. It's crazy right now if you're involved in anything on social media. It's an election year. The financial markets are uncertain of what's going to happen. And oh, by the way, don't forget the 17 years of locusts that have now decided to emerge and dust clouds coming from Africa. Is it crazy or what? I think it is. And what I hear and when I talk to people all the time, they're like, what is going on? It's very complex. It's very uncertain. And truthfully, if I'm completely honest with you, I think that most of us, all we really want to know is, is there going to be football in the fall? Now, not to trivialize the severity and the, the uh, importance of all the things that are happening, but I, at some point you begin to check out. At some point you're just like, I got to shut it all down. I just need to escape from it. And humor is a good way to do that. But here's what's happening, and you've seen this as I have. Everybody has an opinion. Everyone is lauding their perspective. Sides are being taken. Everyone is asserting that their way is the right way. And in truth, no one knows. No one knows. One knows, but the rest of us are left trying to figure it out. And this is why right now, this season, today even, that studying the book of Proverbs is so important to us. This is why, un why understanding godly wisdom is so essential to what's happening in our world and in our culture. We need godly wisdom. Godly wisdom to know how to act and to believe and how to live in light of these cultural contexts. This, uh, I believe, is probably one of the most important times for us as I think about what God would want to do in us as his people, the church, to think about how we're living and what we're doing, how we're entering into the marketplace and representing Christ. And this morning, I'm not going to tell you what the answers are, but my hope is to rather show you how you and I can benefit and get the answers that I believe God's inviting us to. So would you just bow your heads with me? Let me pray for our time this morning as we enter in to study what God's wisdom and truth is about how to live. Let's do that, shall we? Well, Lord, today we simply come before you as blind beggars looking for food, food in answers, food in wisdom, food in understanding, so that, you, that we may best understand your will and your ways and, and live them out, not only for our joy and purposes, but for the world to see. So Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill all those in the sound of my voice afresh with your spirit, that you would illuminate truth to us as we study your scriptures and sit under the authority of your word to lead us, to guide us, to help us. We trust you and we believe you and we thank you. And we pray this in your mighty name, amen. Now this past week as I was preparing for this message, I again was simply reminded at how absolutely marvelous the scripture, the, the God, uh, word of God is. And uh, I, I was just reminded as I was thinking about this, just the variety of ways in which God is taking his revelation and made it known to us in the written scriptures, in this written revelation. When you think about it, think about the diversity of ways that the Bible is written in. We have everything from the narrative, some of the, the stories of God. We have the law. We have wisdom and poetry. We have prophecy and gospels and letters. What I find interesting about this is that in all of these varieties and even more, God is attempting to reveal his truth to us. He uses all of these genres to communicate his truth to us. So regardless of your personality, regardless of what type of writing you enjoy the most, you can find it in here and you can benefit from it in, uh, because it's in here. Now, we spend a lot of time teaching on the narratives and the letters that are contained within the Bible, the history, to help us understand what God is trying to ultimately teach us and to shape us. 
I don't recall a time that we've actually spent time studying the wisdom literature, in particular, the book of Proverbs. And yet, this is one of the most powerful books in the entire Bible. In it lies the wealth of wisdom, the knowledge that is aimed to helping you and me live out the godly life that God is calling us to. And so I'm so excited to be able to kick this off and to, to help share with you some of the beginning knowledge, the wisdom that Solomon gave us. Now, Solomon wrote most of the book of Proverbs. In fact, uh, some 950 years ago, this book was written. These were captured thoughts that Solomon gave. And though he was probably arguably the most uh, wise human being that ever lived, the truth is Solomon's wisdom flowed out of a deeper knowledge that he had in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. As he studied that and ingested that and made that a part of who he was, he was then able to interpret life and interpret what was happening in his world around him and took his knowledge coupled with his knowledge of the scriptures and put together the book of Proverbs. And now here you and I are, some 3,000 years later when this was written, and the wisdom, the truth that it contains still applies to us today. This is what makes me so excited. This is what fires me up about reading and understanding from these passages. So if you have your Bibles with you, you have your phone, if you can open up to Proverbs 1, we're going to spend this morning looking at just the introduction and this beautiful passage that uh, Solomon uses to help us illustrate the importance of the Proverbs. Proverbs 1.1 simply says this, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel. Again, Solomon was the author of most of the Proverbs here, and he captured this wisdom for us. In verses 2 through 4, he lays out for us basically his thesis for the entire book. This will apply to Proverbs 1 as well. But look what he says here. He says in Proverbs 1.1, he says that this is... Uh, this is the purpose of this is to know and to discern and to receive and to give prudence so that we would have knowledge and discretion. And specifically what he says is this area is for wisdom, it's for instruction, it's the sayings of understanding and wise behavior and knowledge and discretion. This wisdom, simply put, is just the use of biblical knowledge to live or to, that leads to godly living. It's the use of biblical knowledge that leads to godly living. And so with each line, each verse, there's a fragment of truth that God wants to communicate to you and me about how to live. Now, if you look through Proverbs 1, the, uh, Solomon spends a little bit of time addressing some of the youth, but I want to draw your attention to the latter half of Proverbs 1. Because in uh, verses 20 through 33, what we see is Solomon paints this amazing picture of the way that wisdom works. In fact, he, he goes to great lengths to illustrate for us this, the, the need, the crystal clear reason why we need to look to God for answers and the need to follow his wisdom in the scriptures. He opens up this area of Proverbs, and it's written in such a way it just has power. Would you agree with me that sometimes the way something is written is equally as important in how it's written? If you think about this with me for a moment, think about the ways in which uh, we understand and see marketing, right? So we have things like Home Depot over the covid uh, stay-at-home orders, uh, spent a lot of time going to Home Depot and working on like projects around the house and doing all that kind of stuff. I don't think I've ever been more familiar with where stuff is in the aisles in Home Depot. I don't even need to ask the people anymore. In fact, I'm giving answers as people are coming to me. But as I pull up into Home Depot and I see the commercials on TV, I'm reminded that more saving equals more doing. And so some good marketing, like how they wrote that, has now somehow stuck in my brain. There's a Taco Bell that lived just around the corner from where I live, and they're saying is to live moss, live more. And somehow eating Taco Bell helps accomplish that. Would you agree with me that the way something is written carries almost as much importance sometimes in what it says? And we see this in this particular passage of Scripture. There's a, a way of writing that Solomon initiates that's called a chiasm. 
A chiasm is a series of steps that points to a main point. And we're going to see this as we look in verses 20 through 33. As, I, as By each step, we're getting closer and closer to this heart, this, this powerful statement that Solomon wants to make to us through his scriptures, through his words. And so this idea begins in verses 20 and verses 21. Let's take a look at it. Solomon here, he likens wisdom to a woman. And he gives wisdom this beautiful, poetic personification of her shouting in the streets. Look at verses 20 through 21 with me. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. Here we see, uh, we see wisdom at the very beginning just wanting to be heard. Take note of the, 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 the areas where Solomon writes that she shouts her voice. She cries out. She utters her sayings. Wisdom is present in the streets. And she is wanting people to hear what God is trying to say. At the center of town in the square, as well as at the edge by the city gates, at the top of the streets and uh, by herself in the streets, she is trying to get the attention of anyone who would listen to her. She sees the need for wisdom, and she's wanting to provide it. Wisdom, God's truth, wants to be heard. She's appealing to all people to take heed of her words. She's not hiding it. She's not withholding it. She's, trying, she's not trying to make it hard to find her. And let me just ask the question. Can you think of a situation where you've needed an answer? <laughs> where you've been like, I'm not sure what to do right now. And think about the steps that you've taken to try to find those answers. Wisdom is saying, I want to give you this answer. We see this echoed in James 1, 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Lord, The Lord God is extending his knowledge out in written form through the scriptures to help you and I understand how to live our life. It is there for the taking. It is, uh, God is wanting us to know what uh, his wisdom is. And this is our culture today. This is what's happening right now. I imagine as I've watched like you, uh, pictures of protests in the street and crowds of people who are just clamoring and upset and angry and loud, that there in the midst of that would be a woman shouting, trying to get the attention of all those who are in the unruly crowd to listen, to hear, to, to take ownership and to, to be reminded of what is true. And yet she goes unnoticed. It was like Joanna, who was singing downtown Annapolis, singing out this beautiful doxology. And as you think back to that, did you notice the people who walked right beside her, the cars that were pulling around her? And yet in that moment, she was still hearkening out, still singing beautifully the words of truth. And much like we see in that picture is what's happening in our culture today. Everyone is relying on their own self-interest and needs to help define what's happening. And yet, here in our midst is wisdom wanting to help us. And what's the response? Continue on in verse 22. This, the, the wisdom, she begins to ask the question, how long? How long, O naive ones? How long will you be simple-minded? And the scoffers, how long will the scoffers delight themselves in scoffing? And how long will fools hate knowledge? Wisdom cries out, but people are ignoring her. The answers, the answers we need are available, but we turn aside. Now in this, I think about this. What is a simple-minded person? What is a simple person? That's someone that's naive, someone that's gullible, someone that is unwilling or unable to take an interest into the more deeper understanding of things. A scoffer, a scoffer is someone who is a mocker. A mocker is someone, a cynic, who takes pleasure in ridiculing others for the ways of their thinking. As someone who takes pleasure in ridiculing others 
for the ways of their thinking. This is what's happening on social media right now. This is where viral mobs are just waiting for you to put something on your Facebook post, waiting to put something on your Instagram, professing what you believe. Whether you like it or not, there are people waiting to, be, to just pounce on you to tell you that you're wrong, regardless of what opinion you have. Those are scoffers. They are waiting to ridicule you for what you believe. And then lastly, fools. You know what's interesting about a fool? A fool doesn't care to know what is right because oftentimes they're so determined to, to do what they believe is right. It's not that they can't hear wisdom, it's that they don't want to hear wisdom. This is a fool. This is what the scriptures teach, is that someone who is choosing not to do it. And so Solomon begins with this beautiful picture of the woman crying out, wanting her wisdom to be known. And in the busyness and the craziness of the streets that people have chosen to ignore her. They have turned from her and they are choosing not to listen. The simple-minded, the scoffers and the fools. Verse 23 carries on. Wisdom again makes another reproof here. She says, turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. I'm reminded of the gospel of John when Jesus meets in his disciples and he says that there's going to be a time when I'm going to pour out my spirit upon you. And he will make known to you the words that he has heard. Because the things that he says are the things that my father and I have said. God is desiring his spirit, his words to be known to us. Now, if we could diagram this out, what I would want you to see is that Solomon has started out on the broadest range of this beautiful picture of the woman crying out. And then secondly, the fools and the scoffers who he's addressing, who are refusing to hear her words, her, her knowledge to impart that. But it gets worse. See, because right now you and I would say, of course, this all makes sense. Well, there's wisdom out there. I need to listen to it. And I know that there's people who don't listen to it, but I want to hear those things. And yet what Solomon teaches us is, is that even we are so willing and apt to turn from the truth that God is wanting to show us. Look at verse 24. Wisdom begins to teach us that there's a reason coming for the result that's going to happen. Here's what she says. I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. You neglected all my counsel and you did not want my reproof. I called, but you refused. I stretched out my hand, but no one paid attention. You neglected my counsel. You didn't want my reproof. And now as a result of that, we have to face reality. The alternative to listening to godly wisdom is this quiet, prideful rebellion of trusting in self. It essentially says, thanks, wisdom. I know what you're going to say, but I think my way's better. Thanks, I know what I should do, but I'm going to choose to do what I want to do anyway. Because in the end, what I think is, ah, this is just what I want. I really don't care what you want from me, even though it might be the right answer. I'm still going to choose to do what I want to do. And this is where we see that refusal is more than folly, that refusal is actually sin. Now, do you know what happens when we refuse good wisdom over and over again? Many of us know this. Our actions have consequences. There's a price to be paid from the neglecting of wisdom. I, I, I have made so many mistakes over my life. I, I, have, I have turned from such sound, basic, fundamental wisdom so many times in my life. And unfortunately, because of my stubbornness, my pride, my ego, because of the things that I've chosen to do in rebellion, I've had to suffer many consequences. And some of these are so painful. Some of these are so embarrassing. Like, I can remember one time, I was in my early 20s. I had just become a follower of Jesus. And at the time, my wife and I and our two small kids lived downtown in York. And we lived in this historic district. And uh, to park in the historic district, you had to pay a couple hundred bucks a month to get a little tag. Or you could just pay the parking meters, which I thought was probably a better idea. 
So every day I'd come home from work. And of course, you can only park in those zones and you got to feed the meters when you can only park in those zones at the appropriate times. And don't you know, after a while, guess what happened? I started getting parking tickets. Not just one or two, but over the course of a couple months, I probably got like 15 parking tickets. Now, if you're like me back then, what I'd do is I'd take those parking tickets and I'd say, I'm so mad, and throw it in my car and forget about it. (laughs) And don't you know, one night, one evening in my house, because I'd accumulated so many unpaid parking tickets, guess who shows up? A sheriff. A sheriff shows up at my house because I have unpaid parking tickets. And do you know what he does? He forces me to go with him and to go to jail. I spent four hours in jail because of unpaid parking tickets. How foolish is that? It's absolutely ridiculous. And yet, because of my pride, because of my whatever you want to call it, I look back at it now and I realize I was so dumb. You have a ticket, pay the ticket. (laughs) If you pay the ticket, the sheriff doesn't show up at your house. Now, at the time, I was just thinking I wanted to be like the Apostle Paul and, you know, start a prison ministry and kind of reach out to those who are in prison. I felt like that was a good thing. No, it wasn't that at all. That thought never crossed my mind. I just remember thinking how absolutely dumb I was. And here, much to my wife's chagrin and the embarrassment of telling you that I've spent time in jail. (laughs) Yeah, that's what happens. There's calamity that comes. When we refuse God's wisdom over and over and over again, you can expect the calamity and dread is coming your way. And that's exactly what Solomon says here. Take a look at verses 26 and 27. We begin to see that the outcome of our folly is tragedy. And wisdom now says, I've extended wisdom to you. You've refused it over again. I want to pour out my words on you. You choose not to accept them. And guess what? You suffer the consequences of your choices. And she says, I'm going to laugh at your calamity. I'm going to mock your dread when it comes. And when your dread comes, it's coming like a storm. And when your calamity hits, it's going to be like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, that is the result of not adhering to God's wisdom. Laughing at your calamity, mocking your dread, and when your dread comes like a storm and your calamity is like a whirlwind, this is foolishness. This is what it looks like. This is what happens when you and I choose not to adhere to God's godly wisdom. Now, you hear that and we think, oh, of course, we we understand what that looks like. But let me show you visually what that looks like. Take a look at this video. This is what it looks like to be a fool. Yeah, all day, just all day, just hitting the trash can in the lid on her face. Just Now, we look at that, and of course, that's a parent who captured their kids having some fun, and it is absolutely humorous. But when my wife showed that to me a couple weeks ago, I thought, oh my goodness, how foolish is this? And look, we sit and laugh at that. It's humorous, it's cute, but that's folly. That's what that is. No one here would say that that's a good idea. No one would say that as cute as it is, that that's what we, that you should do. And see, not only what we see in that is just it's one kid, but the brother actually is like, no, no, now your turn. No, here, you go on the other side. Let me just step on it and hit you in the head. That's what foolishness does. The enticement to fall into foolishness is like, hey, this is kind of fun. This doesn't hurt. Woo, why don't you come join me? Here, you take a turn. Woo, this doesn't hurt. All the while, somebody else is watching that and saying, are you serious? (laughs) You're letting that, that's what you're doing? That's how this is happening? And this is what we do. We ignore the pain. We choose not to listen. We prefer ease and fun of life over wisdom. Meanwhile, we literally are banging our heads all the time, 
trying to ignore the, the calls to live a holy life and break free from habitual sin, dealing with pride or a controlling issue in your life that you're unwilling to address, has COVID turned you into a lazy person, someone who's just absolutely can't get off the couch and choosing to neglect personal responsibilities? Are you with me? Eat, drink, be merry. Tired of playing it straight all the time? I'm gonna go do my own thing. Playing catch up on your bills? Never enough money because you're spending unwisely? This is what we do. This is what happens. And wisdom is crying in the streets. She is shouting to get your and my attention. She's wanting to give you wisdom about how to do this better. And in our pride, our hubris, our rebellion, we simply choose to do what we want to do. This is what's tragic about not following God's wisdom. And wisdom will laugh. Wisdom will mock us. Wisdom will leave us in our broken state. Now, wisdom here is not just simply offering good advice about how to live better. It certainly includes that. But this isn't like how to pad your IRA and make good, wise investments. It's more than that. In fact, what wisdom is doing here is she is addressing life and death issues. And this is what Solomon is trying to get us to see as he's written to us this terrible picture of just rebellion. For the believer, those who are in Christ, it simply means that we're called to rely on the scriptures to show us the way. I'm reminded of 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scriptures God breathed. This is God breathed. And it's used for the purposes of training and righteousness and, and, and our sanctification and rebuking and, and reproof. It's, it's aimed to help us. And when we do that, we experience life. We experience joy and fulfillment and freedom. We are experiencing life in the way that he intended and designed it to be. But it also assumes that you and I would know this word and follow this wisdom so that we would be the ones who enter back into the public square and into the confusion of our world today to bring about truth and to bring about clarity because we have an understanding of what God Almighty is trying to say to the world. It is more than just being knowledgeable about these things. It's actually living countercultural to the world. But I also know there's an element to this proverb that goes a, a layer deeper. Because if we were to equate wisdom with Lord God himself, Jesus, then what we see is that Jesus also is trying to get your attention. Jesus is also trying to awaken those who in the streets who have otherwise turned from him. He is continually extending his hand and the opportunity and the offer to experience new life in him, eternal life. And what we see here is that this begun, begins to be a picture of what God wants to do in all of us. See, Solomon says in chapter 1, verse 7, he says, It's the fear of the Lord that is the beginning of knowledge. Solomon recognizes that there's a life and death element to what he is saying. That it's only through reverential submission to the Lord Jesus that you and I are ultimately begin to understand. Now the tragedy of this is, is that there is a time to respond. That Jesus, who is the pursuer of all people, that he's the one who actually loves us and loved us first by going to the cross. He's the pursuer of us. There's nothing within us that enables us to go to him. He's the hound of heaven. And he's continually extending an offer to receive him and to believe in him and to trust him by faith. And yet many of us, perhaps you this morning, have chosen to continue to run, to ignore the cross, to choose not to listen to what family and friends and what you know to be true perhaps in here. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 2.6. It says, today is the day of salvation. This is the time because none of us are promised another moment. None of us are guaranteed another day. And so I want to encourage you right now, if you're watching online or you're in Easton or maybe it's you here in the auditorium, 
that you would not let another moment pass before you respond to the invitation of Jesus shouting to get your attention, trying to awaken you to his presence, that you would turn your life over to him. So right now, would you, if that's you, would you just bow your head wherever you are right now, if you're in your living room, in your dining room, or right here in the auditorium, would you just bow your head with me and by an act of faith, confess to God what you're doing and invite him into your life. Let's do that right now, shall we? Let's pray. This is you. I want you to pray like I'm praying. God, this morning, I am hearing you. And I am choosing by faith to not run. I want to respond to your invitation this morning. I confess to you, I have been running. And today, I want to receive you. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you save me? Would you choose to make me new again? And I believe, Lord, that you have done that by faith. I'm believing that what you've done on the cross has washed me clean and that you will accept me. So this morning, Lord, thank you. Thank you for grace. Thank you for accepting me and saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now the power of Proverbs is that it leads to life and if this morning, if you're watching online and you just prayed that prayer, would you just type in there, whether you're on Facebook or on our church website, and just let the hosts online know that you just accepted Christ. We'd love to reach out to you and help you get started. And likewise, in Easton, you can see Jake, and I'll be here in Annapolis if that's you. I would love to help you take the first steps of this journey with Jesus. Now, in closing, what we see is that Solomon continues throughout the rest of uh, Proverbs 1. And as he backs back out of this calamity, this situation that we're facing from it not following God's wisdom, he begins to unpack for us the reality of a life apart from God. But in the end, we have hope. See, in verse 33, what we see is wisdom screaming out, saying that those who listen to me shall live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. If you just place your faith in Christ, you can live securely, not just now, but for eternity, because that's what he promises you. And for you and I as believers, those who have followed Christ, we have a hope, a belief that if we listen to his wisdom, that whatever happens outside the walls of your house in this auditorium in Easton, whatever the world does, he's going to give us what we need to understand it and to live in it. And that is a hope that we don't want to turn our backs on. Wisdom shouts, listen and live. That's the message of Proverbs 1. Wisdom's crying out to you today. Will you choose to listen to what the scriptures have to teach us, what Jesus wants to say to us? And if we do, we can have the confidence that we will live because we've listened. Let's pray. Well, Heavenly Father, I thank you that your word is eternal, that your word is alive. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It provides instruction and, and, and grace and love. It communicates to us you, Jesus, the person of who you are. And I thank you by the power of your Holy Spirit that dwells inside of us, that you illuminate this truth and you make it real for us. That by your grace, you have chosen to not hide but reveal yourself to us. So Lord, I pray over every person that calls Bay Area Community Church their home, that you would give us the courage to follow you, the faith to trust you when it seems like we can, and the boldness to step out in grace and humility as we look to bring your truth into the darkest places of the world. We thank you, we trust you, and we believe you. And all God's people said, amen.
solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are still, when pride sees my comforter, by all in all, here in love of Christ I stand. Come on, would you stand with us and sing about our Savior? joining us online. So glad you could be with us. Again, if you haven't filled out your virtual connect card, we'd love to connect with you in that way. Hey, if you prayed that prayer that Brian led us in, as, uh, as we saw that one person did in the chat, we would love to know that. We'd love the opportunity to talk to you more about that, to pray with you. We celebrate with those who did that. And that's, that's such a huge deal. It's incredible. We will see you next week. Talk to you later.